If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. As a social entrepreneur, I keep the purpose at the heart of my business. And that's something that I always encourage any entrepreneur to do is to, you know, keep their business social, find something that motivates them that's bigger than money. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Who here started a lemonade stand as their first endeavor into the business world? I know I did. My brother and I, we would drag this cooler of Kool-Aid down to the end of my driveway, and I'm pretty sure that my mom would call the neighbors to drive by so that we'd get a few customers. That's like life on a dirt country road. My lemonade business started and ended there, but when this guest started her lemonade stand, it transformed into something much, much bigger. Michaela Ulmer is the youngest guest we've ever featured on the Gold Digger podcast. She's started her lemonade company at four years old. Now she's the 15-year-old CEO of Me and the Bees Lemonade, and her special recipe lemonade is sold across the country. You might have heard about it on a show called Shark Tank. If you've got kiddos with the entrepreneurial bug, you'll want them to tune into this episode. But let me tell you, Michaela's drive, her business acumen, and her mission to do good while running a profitable company is something we can all learn from no matter what age. I am so excited for you to meet Michaela Almer. Here she is. All right, Miss Michaela, welcome to the Gold Digger Podcast. I am so excited that you're with me today on the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and be interviewed by you. Oh, it's going to be the best. Okay, so I have done so much research on you. You are just so inspiring and your story is so fascinating. But for those who do not know you, 
Tell us a little bit about who you are and your journey as an entrepreneur. Sure. So my name is Michaela Ulmer. I'm 15 years old. I am born and raised in Austin, Texas, and I'm a student going into junior year, a B ambassador, a social entrepreneur, and a soon-to-be author. And so my journey for all this actually began when I was four and a half, and I signed up in two events. One was the Acton Business Fair, and the other was Austin Lemonade Day. And so both of those are kind of, they're kid entrepreneurship fairs where kids can come up with ideas and sell whatever products they have for a day to attendees and parents who were coming to the fair. And so I signed up. And both of those were in the fall. And I had to figure out what product I was going to create and sell for those fairs. And so over the summer, I was, you know, thinking I had multiple things that I had tried. I tried friendship bracelets, which ended up taking too long. And I couldn't sell them pretty <laughs> enough. And then... Yes. I also did, I believe I did like wildflowers planted in Play-Doh. And I tried to sell that to my neighbors. That didn't work very well. But I was, you know, I was learning along the way and I was having some fun. And so that same summer, I got a cookbook from my great granny, Helen, this 1940s cookbook with ingredients like lard and, you know, other things that I didn't really know how to use in a recipe. And then it also had a recipe for flaxseed lemonade, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I put it back in my cupboard. I said I was going to try it later. And I also got stung by two bees in one week, which was very terrifying. I didn't want anything to have to do with bees or anything that flew for a while. And my parents said, okay, why don't you do a little bit of research on them? So they encouraged me to, instead of like getting my usual books that I would get at the library, my usual picture books, what if we find one about bees? And I learned that they are incredibly important pollinators Our food supply relies on them. Multiple food chains rely on them in our ecosystem. And then I also learned that without the bees, I can't have like the fruits and the veggies and even the cheese and milk and dairy that I love to eat every day. And I learned that they were dying at an alarming rate, which really scared me. And so I started thinking, whatever I do for the fair, I want to use my business to help save the bees. I was really, really interested in them at that point. And I was learning anything I could. I was like going out and watching them when they came to flowers, but I really was interested in them. And I learned they made honey. So of course I took my great granny Helen's recipe, decided to sweeten it with honey. And that was my recipe for the fair. And I just continued to do that a couple times a year. I learned a little bit more along the way. And we can also like go into this in more detail, but the journey has now been 10 years in business. And so, so crazy. I know. <laughs> and it's progressed from like me selling in plastic cups and being kind of like shy to people who are coming by the stand yeah. to now being in like over 1800 stores <laughs> around the country, which I, it blows my mind. I never would have imagined that from the beginning. I love that. I love that your parents took you getting stung by a bee as a learning moment. Like your parents are brilliant. I and I wasn't really excited to do that research at the beginning. Like, I'm like, like I don't like them. Yeah, why am I spending my time on something that just stung me? Why would I do that? But I think that was a point when I realized, okay, like you should really enjoy being curious and asking a lot of questions. Mm. So I asked a bunch, a bunch of questions to my parents. Like we had some family friends who had bees and 
I started doing B courses and suiting up in these oversized B suits when I was old enough. But that definitely sparked some curiosity. And so I was pretty lucky because I found my passion at, or part of my passion, some of my passion at an early age. And I was able to, you know, incorporate it to the purpose of my business from the very beginning, which is to help save the bees. And so Like as a social entrepreneur, I keep the purpose at the heart of my business. And that's something that I always encourage any entrepreneur to do is to, you know, keep their business social, find something that motivates them that's bigger than money. Because when you get like those lemons, you know, when life gives you lemons, when you get those lemons and challenges as an entrepreneur, it's really great to know the bees are relying on me or how can I use this opportunity to continue like saving the bees? So Today, like I'm 15, I'm still growing the company. This summer was very interesting because it was COVID. So pretty much everything was canceled, but we still have the book launch that's launching in August 18th. So I was able to spend more time on meetings, which are now digital and learning and growing the operations of the business. And so then I also was able to do more like workshops and summer camps for budding entrepreneurs. And I would have really enjoyed traveling and doing those in person, but now I'm doing those mostly offline. Yeah, it's been such an interesting year of like quick pivots and shifts. Yeah. But I also feel like there's so many cool opportunities in that where it's like maybe you are getting to reach people that might not have heard you or, you know, it's just like it's such an interesting era of transition and different than what we probably all imagined for this year. Definitely. The business had to adapt and because a lot of our customers are restaurants and cafes and those places that sell mostly in person. So it relies on the connections and the meetings at those cafes or the people who are stopping by to get their lunch and then a bottle of lemonade. So we had to adapt and figure out how can we sell online. It was just being innovative, finding new ways to sell the product or discount the product, find new customers. That's what we worked on. And I know a lot of businesses did that too. Like nail shops were creating pre-made nails, which looked really stunning, but they were creating pre-made nails and sending those out instead of having people in store. So things like that, you get those curveballs or like the black swans as they call them in business and just finding a way to adapt to those. So one of the things that I'm so curious about, and our listeners love Shark Tank, it's just such an interesting show. And I think anyone in the entrepreneurial world just has so much respect for any founder that can get up in front of those sharks and pitch. Will you talk a little bit about your experience on the show, preparing and pitching and getting a deal? Yes. So Shark Tank, I went on Shark Tank when I was, I think it was between the age of nine and 10. And it was season six of Shark Tank. And we initially got invited on Shark Tank from the African American Chamber of Commerce in Austin. And they were holding Shark Tank auditions. And they invited me out. Initially, it was a no hard no for my parents. And then after, because <laughs> I mean, they've seen the sharks, so they can be pretty brutal yes. sometimes. Yeah. But I think... I wanted to grow my lemonade. We were only in around 20 stores in Austin, in a little bit in other cities in Texas. And 
I really wanted to grow until I realized, okay, this could be an opportunity to get more funding. And so it was the last day that they were holding auditions. My parents said, okay, we can do this one audition. I felt like we were kind of unprepared, but we were asked for more calls and invited back. And so overall, the Shark Tank experience was lots of practicing my pitch. I also enjoyed meeting with my math teacher because I had to learn more about like percentages and interests. So I actually met with my math teacher and my dad at like cafes and we went over the numbers of the business and everything. And that was one of my favorite parts. And I also loved meeting and hearing the ideas of the other entrepreneurs. Mm, Yes. What a cool experience. And I think one of the things just working with so many different entrepreneurs and being in this space, I feel like a lot of times people are afraid of knowing their numbers. You know, numbers can feel scary and intimidating, but I think that there's so much power in understanding that. What was it like to try to understand all of that when you're nine and a half years old? It was definitely overwhelming at first, but I <laughs> I learned to kind of enjoy it because yeah. I would ask questions and then like friends at school would ask me questions and I'd be like, hey, if you have an idea, here's something you could do. So I liked being able to answer questions that my friends had at school. And yeah. it was just like, I realized this is a huge opportunity for my business. And so by learning these numbers, not only am I like helping my business, but if I decide to start another business or if I want to become an investor and invest in other businesses, I could do that as well. And so it was a long experience. It was a lot of practicing my pitch in front of my parents, in front of family and friends and getting critiques. But my family also did a really good job of making it fun and not making it just like boring where I didn't want to do it anymore. It was fun and I really enjoyed doing it. I love that. I know that you have a picture of you and great granny Helen, and I know that she got to see and enjoy what you've created. What does she think about everything that you've done and been through? So my great grandmother was always proud. And I remember one year where I actually got to bring her a bottle and yes. she we read to her the back of the label, which talked about how I got the cookbook from my great granny Helen. And she was just smiling. She was like, I'm so proud of you. Whatever you do, I'm going to be standing with you. And so I, it really is it's heartwarming to think that without her recipe, without her support, without her realizing, I think she heard from like my parents that I was trying new things in the kitchen. And that's why she sent me and my mom the cookbook. But without that, me and the bees wouldn't be a thing. So I'm just so happy that I got to learn from her and also like my grandparents and my parents. Yeah. You've had some really powerful mentors. I think one of my biggest questions selfishly as a mother of a daughter, Mm -hmm. what do you think your parents did to empower that curiosity and just the experimentation that you've done that has led you to where you are today? They have done so much. I don't think I can like say this is one thing that they did, but just off the top of my head, some things that they did is that when they encouraged me to ask questions, that's the first thing. When I was trying to grow my business, they didn't say, wait till you're older. Or they didn't even ask, like, what do you want to do when you're older? It was kind of just like, what do you enjoy doing? Or what's something cool that you may want to do. And so that was one thing. The next thing was they 
also learned along with me. So neither of my parents had experience in the beverage industry. My mom had her own like small marketing firm, and then my dad did finance at Dell. But they both learned along with me, and then they both taught me what they know. So sparking that curiosity, teaching what you know, and not telling them to wait, but you know, if even if the business does fail, you always learn something from it. And it can be kind of discouraging at the moment, like my wildflowers. But I learned that, you know, it has to be a product that people want. And so my parents never shut anything down. But unless it was real, like, I, I don't even, <laughs> I don't think there was an incident where they did. But it was always just them encouraging me to keep learning and keep trying. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. I want to know, you know, for you, what does the world look like as a teenager and a founder and a CEO of a huge business? What does that look like? How do you balance it all? So that's a good question. Right now, it has been, 
Right now, it's been really busy as I'm focusing on getting ready for my book launch. So that's the focus. I'm like finding that I can't take as many business calls because I'm doing interviews or because I'm doing small edits and things like that. So that's one thing. And the reason why I continue doing it is because I really want this book to help inspire other budding social entrepreneurs out there. So it's me checking my calendar every morning and actually every evening to see what I have to do for the next day. And there's a Miss Tiffany Pham. She's the founder of Mogul, which I'm not sure if you've heard of, but she has a book called Girl Mogul. And I read that at the beginning of the summer. And I think that's helped me so much with like managing my time and finding out what I really want to do. So she has a great way of saying, make sure that you're prepared. Here's what you want to structure your schedule like. So that's what I've been doing. I check my calendar and I always find time to be a kid. So rollerblading has been constant this summer, trying new recipes because I actually have pet chickens. So trying new recipes. Awesome. <laughs> I know. I guess it's a fact not a lot of people know about me, but I have six pet chickens and one of them is super eager to come up and like get pets and the other ones are (laughs) kind of hesitant, but they all lay (laughs) eggs and their eggs are really good. Oh, that is amazing. Do they have names? Yes. So there's Red, there's Sunrise, and then we got three chicks that we have to name. (laughs) So... (laughs) I love it. We'll have people submit name ideas yes. on your Instagram Definitely. from listening to this. I'll send some pictures for inspiration. We can have a I poll. love it. I'm 100% in on that. One thing that I, I just admire so much about you, you've sat at tables with Fortune 500 CEOs. You were invited to the White House, not just once, and you've done all these really like big, important things. I want to know, do you ever experience nerves or fear? Nerves or fear is something that's so natural. It's part of your gut. And when you feel those nerves or that nervousness, it's kind of a sign that you care. This is something that you're excited about, but you want to make sure you do it right. So when I'm public speaking, I don't really feel those nerves because I've done a lot of practice. But of course, I get those little butterflies. But something that you know, one thing that's my strategy for entering a room with that confidence is preparing. So I've noticed that when I don't prepare, that's when I feel the most nervous. So Mm. setting aside that time beforehand to focus and breathe and listen to my favorite song right before, that's what I did right before this podcast and things like that. I want to know what's your favorite song? What were you listening to? Okay, so the song I just listened to, it was... A YouTube recommended song, and I found YouTube actually recommends some pretty good songs. But it's love right when the algorithms I know, know you. It's hilarious. Like, what are you come out of my head? <laughs> like, take my recent song listings and give me more of these great yes. songs. But I just yes. heard "Love in My Pocket," and one of, I guess, two of my favorite songs for before interviews or like when I'm down is "Wow" by Beck because I think it's so random and amazing. And then also like great, really empowering one is Girls We Run the World. (laughs) Ah, yes, of course. Queen B. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I did this exercise earlier this year and you totally inspired me to think about it. And I was sitting around a table with some really impressive business owners and we did this meditation together. And I feel like so often in life, people ask adults like, 
if you could go back and tell your 13-year-old self something, what would it be? But this meditation was almost reversed. And so the person said, if you could go back and talk to your 13-year-old self, what would they be disappointed to know that you've given up? Mm. And it was so inspiring to me because I feel like so often we're always looking at hindsight. You know, we know so much more as we go through life, but I loved this exercise because the thing that came to mind for me was music. I, I was a piano player. I loved music. And I think my 13-year-old self would be disappointed to know that I don't play piano anymore. And so one of the things that you talk about so much is just curiosity and pursuing it. What, as a kid, do you wish more adults knew when it came to that? Like, what do you wish you could just shake an adult and be like, hey, like, pay attention? I think the one thing that I would really, I hope that more adults would do, and I think it's something that's so doable, is being fearless. And I know that sounds like, of course, that's what my book is about, but that's what I really think. I think it's like, give me a dessert, for example. (laughs) Uh, an ice cream sundae. Okay, ice cream sundae. <laughs> We're going with that. So when yeah. a kid wants an ice cream sundae, they're going to do whatever it takes to get their ice cream sundae. If it's like sneaking into the back of the fridge or the freezer or going on top of the counter or constantly asking their parents for the ice cream sundae, they're going to get the ice cream sundae. But sometimes when adults want the ice cream sundae, they're thinking of, oh, I have to drive to this restaurant or, oh, I have to count the calories or, oh, Mm. like, I don't, I don't know if I want it today or tomorrow. Maybe I should put it off and do it a different day. Like, I've just noticed that the mindset kind of changes. And so I think that's the same thing with business or doing that one thing that you enjoy, like music. It's that fearlessness of I'm going to, like, I'm going to go and try this. And that's one thing Mm -hmm. that I would say is have that Kim mentality for that. Don't be afraid to get messy. For example, me in the kitchen, squeezing lemons and spilling honey all over the place. (laughs) That shouldn't phase or fear you. And just have fun. I just feel like as adults, we just get so calculated in our next steps. We're so like regimented. We're stuck in routine. We know what certain outcomes might look like. And that almost holds us back from pursuing things because we can't really see beyond what we think is going to happen. Yeah, I've seen that. And that's one reason why I love Generation Z is that like we're adopting the mentality of being change makers and like that go-getter mentality and even if we can't fix everything we can fix something and what are the steps that I need to take in order to fix that something so everyone can do that even if it's something huge and overwhelming what can I focus on right now that'll get me towards that goal so setting mini goals Let's talk about like the social cause part of your business because it's a huge piece of it. And I think that nowadays, just like you just said, there are so many people that want to be change makers and to guide this change. So walk me through what is the social cause of your business and how did you land on it and how does it impact how you approach business as a whole? Me at the Beat, since I started, has donated a portion of the profits to organizations that are helping save the bees. And so that has been 
Texas Beekeepers Association, eventually National Beekeepers Association, the Honey Board, or Heifer International, which is one of my favorites because it donates beehives to families in developing countries. And I always thought that was so amazing. But one thing that we're doing now is we are still saving the bees. So we're still donating the portion of our profits to those organizations. Then one thing that I've kind of done now is continuing to inspire others to become social entrepreneurs and especially youth. I guess I've realized that it's so important to get started. If you want to, don't be afraid to get started at a young age. Going and teaching those workshops in those summer camps and going to those schools that have invited me, that's another part of my mission statement from the business. And then I think this came in 2016. I was continuing to donate those proceeds, but I wanted to figure out a way that I could save even more bees or start an initiative that was only focused on the bees. So I actually launched a completely separate nonprofit called the Healthy High Foundation, and that's all about saving the bees. It's about saving the bees through research and education and protection, and then also a little bit of youth entrepreneurship at the same time. And that has been such a blast to run because it's going and installing bee apiaries and hiring beekeepers to teach classes to little kids who are curious about the bees as well, or even like partnering with different local beekeepers and figuring out how we can turn land into bee-friendly land that's being used by campuses or schools. So I think it's great that I get to see both of those worlds. I get to see the social entrepreneurship side and the business and the for-profit, but also for good. And then I also get to see the nonprofit and getting your hands dirty, building gardens and things like that. So I really enjoy that. I can't believe you've done all of this. I'm like, <laughs> like blown away. You're like, and then I just decided to start a nonprofit. Like that's not a small feat in any sense of no. the word. Like that is a huge undertaking and it's so, so cool. I love that. And you know, one thing is a lot of these things that I'm doing are actually from opportunities. So organizations that are reaching out and, you know, saying, I would love to partner with you. Let's hop on a call. And so although I can't take all of those, it's important to take as like as many as I can and just see what I'd like to do. So the nonprofit was actually from an organization called the Giving Back Fund, and they manage nonprofits for like different companies or different athletes and things like that. And so they were interested in my story and they helped me go through the process of setting up a 501c3 and all the steps along the way. So take advantage of those opportunities and continue, you know, meeting people and networking. That's amazing. And that's so, so impressive. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
one thing I want to know, so let's talk about your book a little bit. Like what was the journey in writing a book like? What was the editing process? Like what are your (laughs) hopes for the book? How did it feel? It's just like it's throwing out your heart to the world in a totally new form. Yes. So that's exactly the case. I didn't think that I would write a book because I'm mostly a public speaker. I mostly do interviews. I mostly like do presentations. And it was just getting to a point where I got so many requests for these presentations and I couldn't accept all of them. I was a like full-time student. I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, running me in the bees and I can't accept every single request. Some of them were like around the world and I was able to accept some of those, but just, of course, not all of them. So when a book agent reached out and wondered if I would be interested in writing a book, I realized that could be a way to, you know, reach that larger audience that I couldn't initially reach. And so we started the process of writing a book No, no, there's a lot of before I even wrote the book, we had to figure out what kind of content was going to the book, what the audience was, I ended up deciding that I wanted my audience to be middle school, because that's such a great age to start. And also, you can learn so much, but also they love a really good story. And so then we started thinking of what content I started asking my brother a ton of questions. My younger brother, Jacob, he's 12 years old. I also have like friends at my school who have younger siblings. So we started figuring out what kind of things are they interested in. And I realized that some of the things that they want to know, people of all ages want to know too. So we got to writing the book content came to be part memoir in a part business guide. So the book title is Be Fearless, Dream Like a Kid. And it's all about my journey of social entrepreneurship, but it also has different business tips and guidance on how to make a budget and things like that for young readers who may be interested in pursuing their own businesses as well. And so it's been a long process, but I think just realizing that so many people can read this book and will gain something and learn something from this has been something that's kept me going. I love that you almost like provide implementation tools with a book. Like I think that is so smart because I love reading memoirs and stuff, but then sometimes you finish and you're like, well, now what? Like, (laughs) how does this apply to me? So I think it's so brilliant how you are tying in just tools and tips and like tactical takeaways, because I bet that there will be kids that read it and they're like, all right, I'm ready to launch my own business or I have this idea. And I think that's so exciting. And I guess the thing is a lot of this doesn't get taught in schools. Like we, we don't learn about financial literacy or how businesses work or things like that. And so by introducing these concepts, but also teaching them, you know, don't just be a business like that's just for money, but find something that you believe in or just think of something that interests you and figure out how you can help that cause with your business is a really great way to teach those things and then also get them to want to start learning more about it on their own. I want to know, Michaela, let's say you and I were sitting down over some lemonade five years from now. What do you envision for next? Like, do you plan ahead? Are you kind of just going to wait and see? What do you think is coming up for you in the next few years? So I think five years from now, I'll be graduated from high school, probably in college at that point, maybe studying business or 
economy, all those things are pretty interesting to me. But where would I be personally is in college learning. Where the business would be is hopefully national. I want everyone to have heard of me and Denise and everyone to have access to my product. I would like to make a measurable impact on bees and see a rise of kids like my age and younger eager to learn more about like the world and business. And then I would like to see the issue of the bees dying on like the top of everyone's mind, like more people to be conscious about it. I would like to potentially be learning about investment and figuring out how I could invest in other like minority run or female run businesses because for me, finding funding was difficult. So being able to make that path of growing a business a lot easier for others is something that I'm definitely interested in. Oh, I foresee all of that and so much more. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) excited to get the opportunity to just watch what's next for you. So with your book launch, what are you most excited about? Like, how does it feel getting this message out to the masses? Are you excited? Are you nervous? What does it feel like? I am so excited for people to read my book and to hear my story, even people who already know my story to learn what I've learned along the way. And so there's a lot of work and preparation that goes into launching a book, as many authors know, and that I now know. And so it's just trying to make sure that we're encouraging people to pre-order or read and then also when they read to like share what they've learned or something that they are interested in. So I'm so excited for this book launch. But I'm so excited for you to get it out into the world. I think that's just such a remarkable feat. I can't believe all of the things you've done at your age. My question for you is this, do you think that anyone is ever too young to start a business? I don't think anyone's too young to start a business because I think the idea of like business is something that we all have, even if it's like you're a little kid negotiating for more money on your allowance or something like that because you're doing (laughs) those chores. I don't think so. And the second that I like set up my stand or initially was a table and selling okay lemonade, I became an (laughs) entrepreneur and I don't think you're too young. I think you're going to start and learn things, but you're never too young. I have to tell you that, so I used to have Kool-Aid stands as a kid, Mm -hmm. and we lived in a very, like, the country, dirt road, Minnesota, and I'm pretty convinced that my mom would call our neighbors and be like, (laughs) "Um, hey, can you drive by and, like, give a dollar because our kids are sitting out at the end of the road, and we can't promise it's going to taste good. I know, and it's just, (laughs) it is funny because I feel like as a kid, when you learn how, like, to earn money and how to create something it just it's like you're you got bit by the entrepreneur bug and there's Mm -hmm. just absolutely no stopping it which is so cool I definitely feel that especially with your parents because my parents did that too at one point me and my brother (laughs) me and my brother actually found like a bunch of our old toys and things like that and set up a little sale in front of our house because our house is right into a church so we were hoping some of the churchgoers after they from church would stop by our stand. We got very little traffic and we were so discouraged <laughs> that my parents said, how much were you expecting to make today? And so we were like, eh, $20 maybe. And they just gave us the $20 because they were like, <laughs> <laughs> they felt so Take bad. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> and then we donated That's- the stuff to Goodwill. Oh, I know. Isn't that funny? It is cool, though, to like look at those first attempts, because I think one of the things that you are so inspiring with when it comes to curiosity is that when you look at that just like childlike idea, and you're just like, I'm just going to put this out into the world, and I hope somebody likes it. And, you know, you get that even one person who buys it, it's just like electrifying. And I think that as you get into business, you kind of lose that like celebration and that excitement. And I think it's something that we constantly need to remind ourselves of, like that every single purchase, every sale, every product, every touch point, every follower, every customer, like there is so many power in one. And I think that it can get easy to forget that as you get on in your journey. But I think that you inspire people to like celebrate all of those wins. So true. Thank you for saying that and reminding us of that. Okay, Michaela, where can everybody find you and connect with you and learn about your book and purchase it? Give us all of the places. Okay, so there's a lot of places because there's a lot of different (laughs) things. There's like the lead, there's the book, and then there's me just if you have any questions or if you'd like to have a conversation. So for the lemonade, like I said, the product sold in 40 states and there's five flavors. There's mint, there's prickly pear, there's half and half iced tea lemonade, ginger, and a classic. And so, so many people like want to try all of them and figure out their favorites. But the product's now in multiple stores. If you have a fresh market near you or a world market or H-E-B, Whole Foods, Natural Grocers, or Kroger's in Houston, that's where you can try any of the five flavors that we have and then if you'd like to read my book it's being published on august 18th one of the best ways that you can support me right now is by pre-ordering the book and one of my goals is to make it to a new york times bestseller so that makes it even more possible to do that but if you would like to read be fearless dream like a kid you can do it on barnes and noble online and as well as Indie Bound and Target and so many other stores. But if you just want to see all the places that have my book up for pre-order, you can visit meandthebees.com and it has like a really big banner on pre-order now when you first hit the site. And also for contacting me, the platform that I use most often is probably Instagram. And that is at Michaela's Bees and also we respond to any questions and comments that you guys have on my website. For what's next, I am continuing to find additional distribution for the lemonade and continue to scale and grow me and the bees. But we're also looking for more investors. So we're able to do that and take the lemonade from the 40 states that we're in right now to all 50 states and then even beyond, which I think would be awesome. And also, one of my goals has been to be like the Hello Kitty for me and the bees, Hello Kitty for lemonade. So have a bunch of different products. We have like lip balms right now, but just being creative and finding a way to give customers really new fun products. So even snacks could be interesting and there's so much more room for brainstorming. But Other than that, it's making a measurable impact on the bees, continuing to grow my business, and also continuing to grow the nonprofit. 
So exciting. I am just so thrilled for you. I cannot wait for your book to get out into the world. I want all of my listeners to buy it, not only for themselves, but for their children. I think that we can all learn just so many valuable lessons from you and the way you show up and the way that you teach and lead. So thank you so much for the work you do and for being a guest on our show today. Thank you. Wow. Michaela is so incredible. I know I certainly wasn't doing anything to that magnitude at the age of 15 beyond learning how to parallel park, which I don't even know. Do kids even have to learn that nowadays? I feel like cars can do that for you. But I am just so, so excited that you get to listen into this episode. If you have children, I pray that they get to listen to this episode and be inspired by Michaela's story. But if anything, I hope that today you are encouraged to pursue your curiosities and to try something new and to be as persistent as a child who wanted an ice cream sundae. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on chasing your biggest goals. And thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.